saying the trivia in the middle of it. At least you join me in the mix this time. Well, now it's because I wrote the outline that I well, just I'm, yeah. like, I'm the one with all the knowledge. I am the <laughs> I have the full picture. Or what's what's the Brian David Gilbert line where people don't always have the full picture? I know all of it. I am the keeper of the picture. <laughs> Welcome to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm your master of scare movies. We're coming to you live from a spooky attic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're both up here in North Dakota for the weekend. Yes, yes. I, uh, I, I guess we should we should probably redo the introduction, um, and we can sing it like it's a doo wop hit. Oh god! Uh, no, this, is, this is my night off now. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, because it's technically tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and it's your my day, weekend so. now. Yeah, we can't have you work non equity hours, and then I'm gonna get my ass kicked by the, the theater <laughs> authority. But you know what? It's spooky as fuck up here. It's mm-hmm. really, really cool. Um, you just told me I, I was about to grab a chair before we started recording. You're like, don't grab that one. And I'm like, why? And you're like, it's haunted. And yeah. I went, All right, I won't do that. Yeah, we got some fun up here. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's hot as fuck in here. Yeah. Okay. I, I changed into my big Mortal Kombat shirt. Check so that, that off I the list for the mention of Mortal Kombat Jesus for today. Jesus Christ. I, I'm just stating a fact <laughs> because it's big, that's so a when I sweat. I mean, obvi- I mean, inside baseball for the listeners, but when we record, I get sweaty. It gets like, hot. You can't tell by, like, how into it we get. We get really sweaty, <laughs> and uh, now we just have, like, rooms upon empty rooms of creepy, insulated, asbestos-pumping heat. <laughs> and costumes. Costumes yeah. galore. Yeah, the, I mean, there could be anything up here. What was that? Just kidding. No pig masks, though. Uh, no, I'm glad, because um, especially for what happens in this fucking movie. I mean, are you guys ready to get twisty-turny shoots and laddersy? Because it's about to get fucking diabolically intense. Uh, <laughs> um, Can't believe you kept that. <laughs> it's the best thing I've written in this outline. <laughs> Because, like, I was going over the first two paragraphs, because those are my, like, my fun intro, like, overture, like, thesis statement shit mm-hmm. that I like to actually make sound professional and, of like, course. sincere. Um, but I always try to, like, go over it, and I'm like, no, no, it's got to sound cooler. And I was going over it while I was waiting for you guys to get done, uh, to get out of the show. Mm-hmm. And I just, it couldn't land. It, it's, no, it's no Saw 3. Uh, I feel true. like I've peaked at Saw 3. Uh, at least until the next movie. Yes, until um, five. Oh man, I can't wait to just be like everything you know is now the opposite. Yeah. So, oh my, my computer! I was about to start reading the outline. <laughs> my computer was like, "Yeah, they touched me." Hell no. How about you shut up? So, after the chaos of its predecessor, Saw 4 passes on the opportunity to reestablish order among the lives of the main characters. Instead, this installment doubles down on the madness and confusion that often follows Jigsaw's crimes. From further elaborating on Easter eggs, putting background characters into the limelight, and cementing the continuous legacy of Jigsaw, much like the opening scene of this movie, Saw 4 dissects the corpse of what came before it, rearranges the formula yet again, and reassembles it into what will become the twisted overture for the rest of the franchise. Ooh, and, you, and that wasn't the best thing you wrote in this outline? I, that was smooth. Maybe it's just because I didn't read it out loud, like, in a creepy <laughs> building. <laughs> I was writing it in your, like, living in room. In the apartment, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, it is somewhat obvious that this movie serves as a new beginning for the franchise. While it keeps the events and characters from the previous movies, 
Software's particular brand on the franchise is its dedication to explanation. Essentially, the movie serves as the prequel, sequel, and sidequel to John's road to becoming Jigsaw. Yeah. This is that origin story that normally around this time in franchises you get. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as it tells the story of Lieutenant Riggs' journey towards gaining new perspective. While these sound like vague and relatively loose focuses for a movie, there are plenty of grounding moments sprinkled throughout. Those moments? Some of the most intense and viscerally shot traps the franchise has seen as of yet. Yeah, yeah, this movie, it really doesn't hold back with the traps in this one. I would say uh, a good part of that is due to the editing. Mm -hmm. They really turned up the... uh, like crazy, you know, like the stuff that Saw 3 and parts of Saw kind of reference where like it'll have like crazy like super fast cuts or like mm-hmm. they'll like jump forward in time. It'll be a lot of like distorted type stuff. Saw 4 does that in almost every scene. Yes. Like it makes you – it's kind of – remember what we talked about way back with House of a Thousand Corpses where we said that the way it was shot and edited, it was like being in a haunted house? Yeah, exactly. This movie, because it jumps around in time so much – it kind of wants to throw you off the axis of, okay, Saw movies tend to be pretty linear, mm-hmm. even though 2 was like, yeah, it took place at different times, but you know, it was still a linear type story. Yeah. 4 is three different stories. One of them has flashbacks, and then those flashbacks sometimes have flashbacks within those flashbacks. That is true. Like, it's John talking about stuff that happened before... And then in that, there is a flashback. Mm -hmm. Um, So the production, Saw 4, so it comes out in 2007. They've been doing an annual uh, release of of Saw's since uh, 2004. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was given the green light before the third film even opened, which is nothing new for this franchise. franchise. Um, Well, and if it's a successful franchise, they tend to do that anyway. Of course. Especially because 3 was the most... uh, I think it was the biggest, uh, what was the... Highest grossing? Was it highest grossing? It was either highest grossing or it was like highest grossing a home market. No, three was the highest grossing one. That was what it was. So, I mean, obviously, like, it's coming off of this extremely profitable movie. Uh, So, the steady budget climb that's been going on for the past couple of years rises to $10 million, as opposed to the last movies, I think it was like $12 million or something like that. Every movie pretty much gets doubled. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Saw 3 was green-lighted the morning after Saw 2 opened, Um, and according to producer Mark Berg, he confirms that when they ordered Saw 3, they also ordered and green-lit Saw 4. So yeah, it was, like, pretty right. much, like, you're going to make more. Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah, because three was the one where they weren't originally going to. Yes. And then as soon as they were, like, we'll do it, they were, like, okay, cool, you're going to keep doing well, it, Well, not though. to mention that even, like, three wasn't made to be, like, this is the last Saw movie. Mm-hmm. Like, they set up a lot of stuff. Open for, like, they, yeah, they, they, they made it so it was, like, this is not an ending. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was definitely plenty of ties yet to be finished oh yeah well i mean they even put easter eggs in saw three that like they hadn't even written saw four yet Mm -hmm. they were just like this is gonna be a thing that so they weren't ending it well yeah like the image of 
the random woman in John's fantasy when he was yeah. after his brain surgery in three. We meet her in this movie. Yes, and they we have do. a lot to talk about. But like even like the tape yeah. that he swallows. Or, you know, just like all the the police. Like, okay, they killed Carrie. Now what are they gonna do? Mm-hmm. Um so Daryl and Bowsman directs again, but it will be his last it will be his last involvement with the franchise until, until Spiral, spiral. Uh, due to his goth theater kid desire to make Repo, the genetic opera. I can't wait to talk about Repo one day. Which is awesome, and we'll get its own episode one day. Yes, it will. <laughs> um, obviously, he initially didn't want to make another song movie. He mm-hmm. wanted to make his weird goth musical. But he was so thrown off by a twist in the script that he accepted. Now, I don't know what twist that is. There's a number of them in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I feel like would deem worthy enough, especially because he was the one that took Saw and elevated it. Yeah. So if something impresses him, not only impresses him, but impresses him so much that he decides to direct another movie. Yeah. That's That's got to be pretty huge. good. Uh, once again, it's executive produced by Lee Winnell and James Wan. Mm-hmm. It's officially the first Saw movie without the original writer involved in the script, so Lee Winnell was completely hands-off for this mm-hmm. one. However, the script was, like with Saw 3, it was added to and edited even during filming. Yeah. Um, which is a perfect subway to talk about the writers. This movie, we introduced the writing duo powerhouse of Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Melton. Uh, the two of them together have created the Feast series, which one day we'll talk about at least the first movie because I okay. picked it up be- solely because it was like Marcus Dunstan's like big break thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made the Collector franchise. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about those movies one day, probably when the le- when the new one comes out like next year or something. Well, yeah, because that one's been in and out of development hell. I think for the it's past, like ten. I think years. it's done. Well, last I heard, or is they it pre-production were, or something? Last I heard, they started filming, but they had to stop for something was COVID it? related. But it was because of COVID. I think so. So they were making it, and then COVID started. Uh, because that's it, my understanding. Because I know it's been yeah. out in and out of production. It's since definitely Collector confirmed came out. because it's still on both of their IMDb's, mm-hmm. uh, like actors as well. Like it is. No, I want it to happen because I no, just, it's it's I happening. I just rewatched the first two not too long ago, and I those movies know where rule. It's gonna go. And the, the, it's as we'll find out, there those movies are the reason that they got attached to make this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've also written Saws four through the final chapter, as well as the story for the screen adaptation of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yeah, uh, Marcus Dunstan himself has also. Uh, written one of the uh, Blumhouse Hulu original Into the Dark movies. He produ- he wrote and directed Pilgrim. I still need to see that one. It's weird. Uh, I also want to have a note. I'm not I'm not 100% on the facts, but I think a former grad student at Western Illinois, our friend Chad, yeah, grew right. up with Marcus Dunstan. Uh, I believe Marcus also went to Western. He's I, I believe so. he's an alum. Uh, so I'm hoping one day we can kind of be like, hey, we went to Western, like, would you want to talk to us? Mm -hmm. Um, so as I said, they were discovered when an executive was reading an early version of the script of what would become The Collector. Mm -hmm. Um, back in the day it had a different name, but the executive thought it would be a great prequel. 
foresaw. Like, it would kind of show, like, Jigsaw's descent into madness, which, with The Collector, it's absolutely... Like, Mm -hmm. The Collector franchise, for those that may not know, is essentially a a more diabolical serial killer version of Jigsaw. Yes. Um, And instead of taking his victims to a trap, he brings the traps to To his his victims. victims. Um, It's a very strange set of movies. Mm -hmm. They're very entertaining. They are a lot gorier than the Saw movies, and they don't pull as many punches. That's true. Because it's not as much a story as it is, like, this is straight up an excuse to show people dying horribly. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still good. I haven't seen them in a while, um, but we will definitely readdress them as this new movie does develop. Yes. So, Twisted Pictures, after the executive was like, hey, this would be a great prequel for Saw. Twisted Pictures said, fuck Saw prequels, but they liked the cut of the duo's jib, and they hired them on to write to Saw write. 4. So stepping into the franchise was obviously tricky uh, yeah. because this, given the serialized nature of the Saw films, but they worked with Bowsman and the crew to continue the story. Mm-hmm. So they pitched a trilogy right at the get-go. It okay. would start with Saw 4 and end with Saw 6. So they knew pr- – they pretty much had a good idea of what the next three movies would be. Mm-hmm. So once we get to Saw 5, like – that the whole setup that this movie does to get Saw Five ready, that basically was inter- that's why I think it's so interesting is mm-hmm. because like clearly the it plot of the next two was movies was, was like decided. it's like this is what we're gonna do. Like yeah, this for is sure. like it was never like a oh let's just make this character important. It was like we went into it knowing this character was gonna be important. And exactly what they were going to yeah, do. Which is awesome because that makes me really appreciate that character more because then it's not rushed it's like okay we have the idea then we can nuance it which mm-hmm. is why i love soft well, yeah, and so you much. can build into it you don't have to build it in that movie you can yeah. lay it low the yeah. first movie and let it build from there and now that i know that it was supposed to be a trilogy and i mean saw six was not going to be the end of the franchise mm-hmm. they were going to make more but they had planned out kind of like how the mcu has like phases yeah they knew like okay we know what we're going to do through saw six which is why Saw 7 feels way more rushed. Yeah. Because they well, like they gave an ending that was not as set up, but still works. Well, and part of that was also that when Saw 7 was in pre-production, they were planning on doing 7 and 8, and they ended up having to condense it just into yeah. 7 because it wasn't making as much money anymore. Yeah, which is that's why they made it in 3D. Yep. Which we'll talk about later. Um... Anyway, so back to Dunstan and Melton. The duo, the duo didn't have any trouble in bringing Jigsaw back from the dead uh, into the story, despite mm-hmm. his death. Because, I mean, the character had been dying of cancer since the original film. So he had to go at some point. Yeah. Well, and they felt like, okay, we can clearly just have flashbacks mm-hmm. and keep him alive that way. Yeah. For like, So I guess we can say it now. For the rest of the franchise, every time... Jigsaw, like Jigsaw's in all the movies, but they're all in flashbacks. Yes. It's all just different retellings, not even retellings, just expansions of things you already know, Mm -hmm. but they just add in like, oh, and this person was there, and they have, you know, John talk to them. Yeah. Um, They also said that the film wouldn't feel like a Saw entry without John Kramer, which I absolutely respect because most horror franchises, at least before the 90s, 
they all had an idea that, like, oh, well, we'll kill off the most popular character and replace him with some other new fucking person. Yep. And they're like, no, Jigsaw and Saw go hand in hand. We can't do one without the other. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> new movies. Um, Tell us how you really feel. No. I should say, <laughs> I don't mean that vindictively. Mm-hmm. I just mean you sort of shoot yourself in the foot when you go, okay, this is the given circumstance. We have to keep going. I'm like, you don't have to keep going. You can make other stuff yeah. or just not make it at all or do something do different. different. Um, so like in the previous entries, a lot of rewrites took place during the writing pl- process, leading many unused ideas for the film to be recycled. So a lot of – and they've been doing this since at least three. Whenever they have an idea or a, namely a trap – yeah. that they don't use, they end up using it in a later movie. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the stuff, and you even told me last night, like with the, the glass coffin, yeah. they had it in Saw 4, they didn't know what to do with it, so they're like, well, we'll do it in another movie. And they yeah. just pushed it to Saw 5. Um, and I'm kind of glad they did, because I really like that. The Saw ending 5. of Saw 5 fucking rules. Especially because the tagline of that movie is, you won't believe how it ends. Mm-hmm. Um, which... To be fair, does give it like a big like, you know, bar. Like it, it does the raise bar the high. bar pretty high. Um, this one's fun because the tagline is "It's a trap," and there's a lot and of everyone them. loves Star Wars episodes. Yeah, and to be fair, there's a lot of traps. That is also true. Um, the other tagline that I think is way better is "I am still among you." I love that because I literally movie. I just said it and I got chills, mm-hmm. and it's hot in here. Yeah. But, like, oh, man, it's because that – he even says it in the movie because all the taglines are things that John normally says. Mm-hmm. And at the end with the, with the tape that's in the you – know, that, that's in his autopsy, which we'll get to, um, one of the things he says is, you know, like, I, you assume things are over just because I am dead. I am still among you. Mm-hmm. It's like, fuck. Um so I guess that can, that's an adequate enough segue to start talking about the cast. Obviously, we've, we've thoroughly talked about Tobin Bell. We will never so, stop gushing but about like, Tobin Bell. I mean, there are things, like, there are new notes I have for him, but they come up later. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast we definitely can highlight is um, Lieutenant Rigg, who's played by Lyric Bent. Lyric Bent, I was looking at a lot of stuff. He's in a movie called Acrimony with Taraji P. Henson. He's okay. in Netflix's She's Gotta Have It and the Mafia 3 video game, among other things. What I thought was cool, and I found this note back in Saw 2, but I mm-hmm. had to save it, was Lyric Bent originally auditioned for the role of Xavier in Saw 2, who's the guy that was, like, killing everyone. He was a drug dealer. Yeah. Um, but he was rejected because the makers didn't want to typecast an African-American actor as a drug dealer. Which I completely understand. I understand that. So he begrudgingly accepted the smaller role of Officer Rigg instead. However, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise, since he was allowed by director Darren Lynn Bowsman to use his own ideas to develop Riggs as a character. Okay. So it was, I feel like, you know, his whole, like, just beat him up, you know, Matthews, like, all that shit was, was his idea. Hate. Which is cool, because then they're like, shit, we can use that. Mm-hmm. Because initially, Saw 3 was going to feature a much larger role, basically, like, what happens to him in this movie was mm-hmm. going to happen to him in the last movie. Okay. I just gave him a note that I – we can't talk about it yet because it's a spoiler territory. <laughs> but um, Anyway, so he was promoted from supporting character to main character for Saw 4. 
So good for him. Yeah. Also, uh, remember how last episode I talked about how um, Daryl Bowsman was just like a huge dork on set? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I'd said that he like farted during a intense scene that Shawnee Smith had to do. Mm-hmm. So apparently. It's a running gag in the Saw series that the filming crew always hides what they call a fart machine in one in one of the sets. Like no one knows it's there except a couple of people. And they make it go off during a particular serious scene. So in Saw 3 it was like when Amanda came in and was like she's going to do this procedure on you and she kind of starts having that breakdown. Mm-hmm. And then it they basically do it to see how long the actor can keep a straight face before they break. Amazing. Um, this time, it's apparently, I don't know when it was, uh, but they said that Lyric Bent was the victim, so it was probably some scene that he was in, mm-hmm. uh, and he managed to remain in character for a couple of seconds before bursting into laughter, which is great because <laughs> for a second you have to be like, I'll just play it off, maybe it's like not on purpose, and then you see people off camera laughing, mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh That's shit, it's on purpose. Know. Yeah. I mean, as you know, the hardest thing about keeping character is once you see people laugh then you can't keep it together Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) i know kelly can also attest to that (laughs) um so also we can finally finally for my fucking sake talk about detective mark hoffman more hoffman detective mark hoffman played again by costas mandalore who uh he's not been in like anything i've ever seen Mm mm-hmm he works a lot, uh, evident by he has about 22 in-production or announced projects over just the next year and a half. Oh, my God. Like, Jesus Christ. Um, he's also been in the TV show The Last Ship, the uh, weird CGI movie Beowulf, and oh. uh, the TV show Seventh Heaven. <laughs> uh, according to his IMDb, uh, numerous times he's been like given the, like, hunky actor like awards like magazines and stuff will give Mm -hmm. he often plays villains or heartthrobs and his real last name is theodosopolis he's greek and so he took he took his mother's maiden name because it was shorter and like easier to to say i mean i butchered it um i love costas mandalore he's great as mark hoffman uh, if I ever see anything he's in, I'm sure I'll love him in mm-hmm. it. I'd love to meet him one day and be like, I legitimately loved – like, Hoffman, I've said before, Hoffman's my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Like, across – I mean, John, obviously, but, like, Hoffman's my favorite, like, Saw main stage, like, character. Yeah. He's just so interesting. And we'll get into – like, in the next couple movies, we'll talk why I think he's so interesting – um, but they just – he has a way more prominent role in this movie to establish him for the later movies because that's what they do. They pull people up from the bullpen, and then they give them a, a, a character arc to go through. Yeah. Well, we also could talk about um, Scott Peterson, who plays Agent Strom. Agent Strom. Uh, we know him because he's Luke, Luke from, from Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. Girls. Uh, he's the diner, and he was in the entire show. He was in the the new um, the year in the life, yeah, the year in the life, the Netflix show. Uh, so Gilmore Girls finished in '07 when this movie came out. So definitely, like in between the final season and like like the the you know the break they had between you know seasons, mm-hmm. he just did Saw four, and then after Gilmore Girls end, he did Saw five. Yeah, which is so funny. Uh, I also wanted to highlight he's in. Um, Gotham by Gaslight, which is that uh, Jack the Ripper-esque... The ba- Batman Yeah, Batman movie? animated movie. Yeah. He's Jim Gordon in it. 
Ooh. And uh, I don't want to spoil Gotham by Gaslight because it's fucking awesome. But uh, Jim Gordon is a very interesting character in it. So it's cool that he is... Um, I'm going to have to check that one out. Because it's literally like if Batman was in Whitechapel when Jack the Ripper was killing people. Okay. Like, Batman is this, like, steampunk detective. All of the characters, like, have, like, a, you know, late 1800s equivalent. It's mm-hmm. very good. Uh, also, Agent Perez, who's Agent Strom's partner, is played by Athena Karkanis, who uh, she's I've seen her name all over the place mm-hmm. for numerous things. She's a big uh, voice actor in video games. She's been like Hearthstone, Star Wars: The Old Republic uh, games. Okay. She's in House of Cards, Zoo, uh, The Expanse. Oh wow! Um, yeah. She also had a cameo in Repo, which I'm pretty sure is just yes. because when she showed up again in five or six, six. she comes back in, right? I believe so. Um, I think it was just like. Darren Lindbergh was making six, and they're like, "Oh shit! Like, come on!" And no, he wasn't making. She was he, making six, and he was, he making, was making repo. repo. It's like, come on over. Uh, she's also I don't remember which one it is, but um, the Total Drama shows on Cartoon Network. Oh, Total Drama Island. Yeah, but there's like four or five. Like yeah. for every season is like a new thing. Mm-hmm. She was in one of them. I don't remember okay. her name, but she, if you look it up, she's, she's in it. There. Um, also, um, Betsy Russell plays Jill Tuck, who is John's ex-wife. The only thing that I could find, uh, so Betsy Russell, I'm going to just put it up up top, is hot. Betsy Russell is very attractive. <laughs> like, very, she's a very good looking woman. Um, back in the day, she was in a lot of movies, kind of like Friday the 13th, that are just borderline softcore pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, namely one that is uh, called Private School. And if I had service, I would read you the, um, the, the like two-sentence synopsis. But it kind of sounds... It's like a Porky's equivalent. Okay. Where it's like, it's this hot like girl private school and these two fucking loser idiots are like... I, I think they were, like, dating these two girls, and they, like, try to sneak in to, like, hang out with them, so they disguise themselves as students to get in. Oh, it's It sounds a lot like a movie that does not hold up mm-hmm. now, um, but it just seemed like the type of movie that, like, you made when you were, like, 19 in college, and you're yeah. like, I'll show my tits, I don't care. Um that that is not a disparaging remark on Betsy Russell. She's great in this franchise, especially once we get to six, mm-hmm. when she has a lot more opportunity to shine. In this movie, Strom just kind of yells at her for about twenty minutes, and she's yeah. just like trying to explain what happened to her marriage. And Strom's just like, "I don't buy it." And I'm like, "Strom, you need to calm down, buddy." This is what happened, bud. I'm like, "You need to." We'll we'll get to Strom later, and how I'm like, "You need to like take a chill pill." Um, talk about some traps. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, it's still sort of a cold open trap, despite the fact the movie opens with an autopsy. Mm-hmm. But right after the autopsy, they go into a trap, so it's like still kind of a cold open trap. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's still pre-title card. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's so frustrating to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, is you're just like, oh man, it'd be so much easier to beat if people in it were competent. <laughs> um, yeah. it also doesn't have a tape. No, it doesn't. Which I didn't notice until the other night when I was watching it. And I'm like, this, they just, they you just wake, wake up, up and you go, which is weird. Yeah. Um, but it's really cool. It, essentially, it, it's 
also alternatively known as the morgue trap because it's uh, no, not the morgue, the uh, mausoleum trap. Yeah. Uh, where it's two men in a mausoleum who are ch- they have chains around their neck that lead to this device that kind of turns them so the chain is uh, it turns the chains. It kind of, pulls kind of, them yeah, in kind or... of like a hose. You know, like it kind of pulls them in closer and closer and closer. Mm-hmm. And one of them has their eyes sewn shut, so they cannot see. The other has their mouth sewn shut, so, so they, they cannot, cannot speak. speak. And the ch- the keys to each other's collars are on the back of the opposite person's neck. Mm-hmm. But convincing the you know blind person when you can't speak is kind of difficult. Yes. So obviously a struggle ensues. Um, the uh, mute one comes out on top, triumphantly screams and rips open his his stitches. And right into gets a the title, title card. card. Uh, it's a pretty awesome trap. Um, it's not very gory. No. Unfortunately, okay, I think we should address, unfortunately this movie has a problem with CGI blood, yeah. which nine times out of ten looks bad. And it truly is just because of budgetary restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, while this movie does have a large budget, the traps and the scale of the movies have been getting progressively larger. larger. Like, there were traps, I think it was for this one, they were talking about having the cold open be one where, like, they were going to have, like, a room fill up with water or something like oh, that. Wow. Very, like, escape room-esque. Yeah. But they're like, we don't have the fucking budget to do that. Yeah, so I they just they are like we gotta go simple because I mean the traps in this m- movie are very simplistic. Yeah. Um, kind of ramshackle to an extent, where it seems kind of like the ones from Seven, where it's just like there's spikes, mm-hmm. like it's just like uh this thing will happen and then spikes will kill them. Like it's like very just killed. It kills the person if they fail. Like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't do something creative. Um, this one, it, it is creative, but it's still, like, it seems like a very simple trap. Which is interesting, because we also see the first ever trap that John made in this yeah. movie. Which is a very simple, it's simple by design. I mean, even the reverse bear trap, like, obviously, the engineering is probably very difficult, but it's a very simple... Concept. Yeah. Uh, but, like, damn, does this movie really make you hate the people in the traps? Yeah. They're all fucking horrible people. With the exception of the woman in the iron bar trap, everyone else is fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, you want them to die. And they all do, which is yeah. great, because you get to see all these people die horribly painful deaths because they fucking really deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, Nate, starting off with the hair puller trap, which is the first one that we see in... Uh, I guess, so we haven't really established why these traps happen. Do you want to kind of go over what Riggs's deal so, yeah. is for this movie? Um, so yeah, our main character of this movie is Rig. This is all a part of his test, mm-hmm. are all of these traps. And basically the big thing that John, or Jigsaw rather, is getting after with Rig is that he needs to learn how to let people save themselves yeah, because let go. he can't save everyone himself. Yeah. Well, because he's the last, uh, with the exception of Hoffman, uh, well, Hoffman wasn't in two, but uh, so, yeah, Rig, he's the last surviving cop mm-hmm. who's been around since Saw, or even Saw 2, 
everyone else has died yes. or gone missing. Like Matthews is Matthews presumed is dead. Carrie is dead. Yeah, they find Carrie's yeah, body. Yeah, they find Carrie's body in this movie. I mean, I mean, and it's after there had this very careful procedure of investigating the crime scene to make sure it's not booby trapped because they've already been fooled twice with that. Yep. And so they're not getting fooled again, but Rig doesn't care, barrels through a gate, defies uh, Hoffman's orders, breaks chain of command, mm-hmm. um, already has a hair trigger temper, as we know from Saw 2, but yeah. I mean, we know even from later from his past that he has a history of also roughing up suspects, mm-hmm. uh, or just straight up assault. Like, he's, yeah. he's got a temper, he's got a, a some kind of... They say it's a hero complex that he can't like he thinks he can save everyone he can't. I think that's an oversimplification. Yeah, he's under a lot of stress because fucking everyone around him is dying. Y- yeah, exactly. Um, the this killer is taunting the police department with their failure, and I mean he just can't take it. So once he's kind of his wife is like. I'm going to leave for a couple of weeks. You need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. So once she leaves, he is attacked by the, you know, the pig mask and wakes up in his apartment with a video instruction that's basically saying, hey, Detective uh, Matthews is alive. Mm-hmm. He has a, they have like a camera feed to where they're at, and we'll talk about that in a bit. He has Matthews and Hoffman captive in mm-hmm. a death trap. He says, you know, you have 90 minutes. Um, there's, like, in 90 minutes. I don't remember what exactly he says. I don't remember the phrase. He gives him, like, a vague timeline that Rick mm-hmm. thinks, I need to save them before this timer runs out. So, th- and then, well, yeah, And speaking of yeah. the collector, where he brought the traps to the people, yeah. this is the first time in the Saw franchise where the trap is brought to a person. Because, yeah, it's in Rick's yeah. apartment where he wakes up. He doesn't wake up. In some abandoned place, mm-hmm. they brought everything yeah. to him. They, they knocked him out so they could set up this first trap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the through line with Rig tends to be not only like it's let people save themselves, but like underhandedly like, hey man, I mean, you see how I get it done. I mean, might as well just like yeah, help cause, me because he starts being like, see how I like, see, feel, yeah, how you, I feel. If, it's like save if you how it, like I if you save. see because. With this, like, I guess we can get in the hair puller trap right now. It's like, he wait, he goes into his living room, and there is a woman attached to this chair mechanism with her hair caught in a series of gears. And the gears are going to progressively tighten and pull her scalp off of her head. Uh, unless Rig finds combinations to the lock mm-hmm. and freeing her. Jigsaw implores him, hey, she's a piece of shit she's a madam which means she's basically the female equivalent of a pimp so she's ruining young women's lives she's exploiting people she doesn't care about these people um in jigsaw's view deserves death Mm -hmm. uh and he's like you know rig all of the training would say that you would agree with me so if you see this person how i see them you would let them die Mm -hmm. and you should rig doesn't want to do that so he saves the woman. Uh, unfortunately, uh, she had her own game. Yep. That was, hey, a cop is going to come in, and if he saves you, he's going to use the evidence to put you away forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a knife under the chair or under, like, the TV, and if he frees you, you need to kill him. 
Yep. So after he saves her, well, she tries I think to what, kill him. Which, what the tribe actually, or the game said for her was the tools to your survival after yes, the fact. Yes, yes. So she kind of put two and two together. So she figures out when she grabs the knife, she's like, oh, oh I gotta kill him. I gotta kill a guy now. Uh, I also want to just, a quick note, um, I think it's kind of nice that Jigsaw never targeted sex workers like other serial killers did, mm-hmm. or accused them of not respecting their lives because they're doing what they must do without destroying other people's lives. Uh, so, I mean, with the exception of the woman from Saw 2, who we see in this movie prostitutes herself, mm-hmm. but I feel like the way she responded when, when Xavier, like, used that as an insult was that it was something that she did when she was in a desperate spot, but, like, she was not actually, like, an active sex worker. Yeah. Um, so, aside from that, you know, he doesn't view sex workers as people that don't value their lives as a matter of fact when she shows up in the flashback he's like hey you just go home like don't do this like Mm -hmm. you know like he wants them to get better yeah uh so with the exception of this woman uh who pimped out younger women and destroyed their lives and deserved to be tested Mm -hmm. i just think that's a nice it, it again does show that Mo- Jigsaw does have a moral code that he consistently does stick to. Yes. Um, from there, uh, Rig moves on to uh, a hotel where he is confronted with. Well, they, they he gives him the address, and it's kind of the like. This one is, um, I think, feel as I feel, or something like that, or uh, something to the effect of that. Like that. It's like, here is how you test somebody. Mm-hmm. And he gives him a pig mask and is like, you need to kidnap the front desk worker. Um, brief aside, I'm a little scared at how willing and ready and Rig... How quickly he just... And how good him. he is at it. Like, yeah. immediately able to kidnap this guy. Um, two quick things also. In the main lobby, there's, like, that weird homeless guy who, like, yells at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have the actor's name again. I don't have the service, but he plays Death in the supernatural show he's also oh. the original one of the three original cannibals from the the wrong turn franchise uh he's Yay. been all he's been kind of all over the place yeah. i know him mainly because he's death from supernatural. supernatural but i didn't know he was also in wrong turn mm-hmm. uh but also the um <laughs> the front desk worker's dog is darren lynn bowsman's like cockapoo or something it's like mm-hmm. it's like a bigger poodle-ish looking dog yeah um and I just love that it's his dog. Uh, but the uh, the front desk worker, Ivan, is subjected to the bed trap. Mm-hmm. Which, so there's, so he's tested because he was acquitted of rape three times. Uh, I guess because I did it two movies ago. There's a trigger warning. If, I mean, obviously sexual assault is pretty graphic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of images of it like hanging up around the room, which I think is the the bright side of that. The women in those pictures uh, were um, Darren Lynn Bowsman's lawyer, his assistant, and his then girlfriend, now wife. Oh my god! Which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he Rig is like tasked with forcing him into position to then make his choice, make his decision. So yeah. he's like, hey, these people need to make these choices to save themselves for themselves. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is give them the tools to do so. So he forces him into position into like this like head vice 
puts and, these harnesses on all of his limbs. Yeah, on all, each of his arms and his legs, his extremities, mm-hmm. if you will. And basically, his his thing is to either um, poke out his eyes and get rid of the eyes that have done him wrong, or lose himself. Yeah. Uh, because it's a Saw movie and we need to see someone die, he only gets one of them before the machine rips off all of his limbs, mm-hmm. and he dies. Uh, so that's... I mean, that one's really intense. That yeah. trap is pretty fucking crazy. Uh, he then is then... Rig is then led on the goose chase to a school that he mm-hmm. has history with because he was responding to a uh, child really probably yeah like child endangerment domestic assault sort of case mm-hmm. where um, this girl obviously her teacher probably called in a complaint about bruises on her they called in both of her parents uh, her dad is obviously hurting her of some in some in way in some way or another yeah i'm glad they didn't say what they're just like she has bruises on her and i'm like mm-hmm. that's all i need to know uh you know clearly in the the mother protects him because she's also a victim in the situation yeah and hoffman's like look rick we can't really do anything about it and then the guy says something fucking smarmy and jackassy and then rick loses it just punches him in the face mm-hmm. and uh you know hoffman We'll talk about their relationship more a little bit later because I really like it, and yeah. I wish they explore it more. They just mm-hmm. don't have the time. Yeah. Uh, but the two of them get along very well, and I feel like are on a very similar wavelength because as we will learn in the next movie, it's not much of a spoiler, but we will learn in the next movie that Hoffman, the only family he really had was his younger sister mm-hmm. who was murdered by her boyfriend who was a guy that – they knew he had been beating her, and they put him in prison, but, like, he got out very quickly and then murdered her. Yeah. So Hoffman is, like, Rig, where they're kind of on, like, the, you know, sometimes justice, like, eh, it's okay if these people, like, just kind of get fucking, you know, got. Mm-hmm. So there are two people that are on the similar wave. Like, Hoffman is just like, we can't just punch people, Rig. It's, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, at this school, we have the Iron Rod Trap, which is a super interesting looking one mm-hmm. and sets the tone for how some of the traps in the later movies are where they're just straight up like they're not even like pretending like you might escape from this. It's no. like you're going to die from this and you might as well die quickly. Mm-hmm. So this one has the uh, husband and the wife back to back with uh, sharpened metal stakes going through the wife's body in non-vital areas into into organs. like vital arteries and veins in the husband's husband. body. So what her task is is that she needs to pull them out of her uh to literally free herself from, from the man him. and killing him in the process. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and on the chalkboard all that the husband can see is just your life is in her, her hands. hands. Uh, I think it's the, I really like this trap because it's the most literal embodiment of John's mission statement, mm-hmm. which is you need that little extra drive to push you to better yourself for your own sake. I mean, this woman was a victim of an abusive relationship. She had been put in, in, a, in a place where she couldn't act. And it's interesting because as soon as he tells her the rules, she's like, all right, I'll do it. Yeah, and yeah, it's like no hesitation. This there. is that like perfect thing where it's like, you know, despite the seeming innocence of said person and despite their trauma, 
it's again because it's not about punishing those people. It's about mm-hmm. giving them an opportunity to better themselves. To, yeah, to free themselves yeah. in a sense. Which like, I to will be reborn. Yeah, exactly. Which I will say is a lot of justification for Saw Six for me because mm-hmm. everybody in those traps is a piece of shit yeah uh so it's like not so much of an execution as like if you survive like let this be a lesson to you um but uh rig it it just kind of is like the hey if you save as i save clearly this woman is better off having one Mm -hmm. i mean he walks in and she's like i did it i did it so he's like listen if if you see that my method clearly has results that I know you can relate to, mm-hmm. is this so bad? And can you not apply this to your to life? Your life yeah. Like, do you not see that people need to save themselves and you can't do it for them? Like, let them go, Rig. Um, but uh, we have one last trap to talk about, um, and I think it'll also kind of segue into a bit of the uh, the jigsaw origin, mm-hmm. the, uh, the knife trap. Yeah. But before we talk about that, we probably should talk about um, Jill, Cecil, and Gideon. Mm-hmm. So, as we may already have kind of talked about, John used to be a civil engineer, very smart guy. As we learn in 3 and now this movie, he was once happily married to his wife, Jill. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't be happier. Obvious, you know, good stuff. She becomes pregnant. Um, they're insinuating that John's kind of already always been a control freak mm-hmm. he kind of made it so the kid would like fall in line with like specific characteristics of the chinese zodiac like the yeah. chinese new year uh coincidentally the year of the pig bum, bum, bum. which is not a coincidence nah, like, that's what literally the reason why mm-hmm. um so the pig is the same animal which jigsaw uses to mask himself when capturing his victims because that's the thing he wore when he captured his first victim mm-hmm. uh so so Jill is a nurse. Yeah, she opens a clinic. Yeah, she runs a free health clinic, essentially for like mostly like drug addicts and people that like John would kind of see as lower on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. Um, people that kind of take advantage of the of the good nature of Jill and her clinic. Yeah, and um, the, the the motto that the whole thing was founded on was "Cherish your life," which mm-hmm. is John's motto. Where it's, it's like, it's not cherish life, it's cherish your life. Don't throw it away, don't do things that would ruin it. Yeah. Um, so, Jill becomes pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, their child is going to be named Gideon. She's a good eight months along. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, one night, a, uh, a kind of uppity member of the clinic, who kind of just goes there to kind of score some drugs, you know, mm-hmm. you know whatnot, uh, he shows up. Again at night as they're closing to, yeah, to rob the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, John's waiting for her outside, but he's kind of in the back; he doesn't see it. And uh, as he comes out, he's running. Uh, Jill is behind the door. She's kind of pr- pressed up against the wall because he had a knife to her throat. She's still kind of in shock. And so as she goes to move for the door, Cecil, this guy, barrels out of it, slamming the door into, into her, her, into her uterus, into her essentially. Um, causing her to immediately miscarry, uh, which I still can't watch. That scene just makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and so John runs in, runs her to the hospital. Because John just he doesn't know what's happened, but he sees he Cecil sees that Cecil out. runs away. He finds Jill. He takes her to the hospital. Obviously, the baby has been lost. It 
kind of fractures him like mm-hmm. visibly where um you know she she's she even still maintaining like hey you know it's just we were just trying to help people and he's yeah. like you can't help them they have to help themselves mm-hmm. so and it's the beginning of his ideology of you can't just make people better. You need to make them do it themselves. Yeah, and then that's right before yeah. he has his car crash that yes. leads him to his own moment of yeah. pulling something out and yeah. he was re- yeah. being reborn yeah. as Jigsaw. Their, their marriage kind of started to fall apart a little bit after the fact there. Um, John, his business partner, uh, is a lawyer. Uh, the two of them kind of... They had all these they like housing, housing development, development you know, they were they were designing buildings. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like making things better. Uh, I mean, John named his son after him and the lawyer's first building they made together, which is the Gideon Meatpacking plant. plant. Uh, so he named his son after that first building because he's mm-hmm. obviously very proud of his work. So once this, you know, happens and he loses like the purpose of his life, mm-hmm. uh, then he's diagnosed with cancer. His marriage begins to fall apart. He kind of tells Art that his lawyer friend to basically go get fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, Jill and him didn't really talk during that time until, you know, he got diagnosed with cancer, had the had the car accident, and then started to become Jigsaw. And she goes to visit him and is like, this is a different man. Like, this is not the man I married. This is someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting because the first person he decides to test is Cecil. Yes. So he kidnaps him during a Chinese Zodiac Year of the Pig parade. He puts on a pig mask to hide his identity and to chloroform Cecil. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, which I think is fun, the release of the film in 2007 was the Year of the Pig. Huh? It occurs oh, every it occurs every 12 years. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, if I ever write that Cult of Jigsaw movie, it will be every every 12 years that they come out to do it for mm-hmm. the Year of the Pig. So the knife trap that he puts Cecil in essentially has him in a chair with um, bolts through his, like, wrists so he can't move, and he's bleeding out. Yeah, because the bolts are just... He wouldn't necessarily have to press into the bolts if he wasn't straining for it, but since he has been, it's been cutting the inside of his wrist. So he either stays in that chair and bleeds out, or pushes his face through basically like a a push, like like a pressure pad cage of knives butcher knives uh to hit a pressure point that would like allow allow, yeah would release him uh he sort of wins or sort of it falls apart and then in his blind rage bum rushes jigsaw and dies in a uh container of barbed wire which gives john an idea exactly because that's the first trap that we see in in the first movie so, uh, with that, we can start going, I guess we did most of the movie, like, breakdown in the opening, but mm-hmm. we still have the movie notes to get into, especially because the beginning of the movie, we haven't even talked about the autopsy yet. Yeah. This legendary autopsy scene that was not cut by the MPA at all. Um, they also had a mortician on the premises to, sh- to make sure they were doing it right. right. They made a full realistic body cast of Tobin Bell that they could actually cut open Mm -hmm. as if it were a corpse. Um, Obviously, this is right after Saw 3, so they open up his stomach. Well, at first, they're like, oh, shit, he just had, like, some kind of weird backdoor brain surgery going on. Yeah. They open up his stomach, and they find a tape encased in wax, which he did in Saw 3. He poured wax over a cassette plate, swallowed it, 
specifically so that they would find it upon his autopsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call in Mark Hoffman to listen to it, and the tape essentially kind of goes over what we already said, where it's like, you know, just because I'm dead doesn't mean the game is over. Things have just and, kind of begun. And some and people think they'll get away untested. Yeah, but you, it's like, you guys think beginning. you'll get away untested, but, you know, I'm not finished yet. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the movie begins with Rig. Uh, you know, how crushingly terrible at his job he evidently is. Um, but yeah, we, we pretty much covered Rig uh, and his whole arc, and we'll get into the ending once we get to spoiler territory. Yes. Um, we've kind of talked about Jill. Uh, I mentioned how hot she is. Uh, hmm. I think she's a very convincing, um, not like a red herring, but like an, a character that adds more intrigue Yeah. that may or may not also be involved. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, because she comes in with all this knowledge about Jigsaw that we had no idea about. Yeah, and, for sure. And, you know, obviously because the case has, you know, eclipsed the police department, the FBI has showed up. Mm-hmm. Because on the sole merit of they know that there's someone other than Amanda helping John. Yes. They know there's another Jigsaw accomplice. Their job is to find out who it is. Well, and I think it's really interesting that the very first thing the FBI mentions when they show up is like, yeah, Carrie is in this giant trap that she would have to be hoisted onto. Yeah, uh, Amanda, Amanda couldn't, couldn't do it, and John, John is a cancer deathbed. patient, yeah. and on his deathbed, yeah, because Hoffman's like, I don't know, he could have rigged up some pulley apparatus, and Strom's like, that's stupid, someone else helped him. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh shit, okay, Strom, God, Strom, okay, calm Which down. Which then is a fucking horrible timing because then they're investigating Rig because he went missing, mm-hmm. and they're like, he seems hella suspicious. And then when Strom is like interrogating the fuck out of Jill, they're like. Okay, so um, your lawyer is the guy that John knew. That same lawyer is the lawyer for all the people in the traps that Rig has so far. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck is this lawyer? And he's been missing for weeks because he was in that trap. He was the in the mausoleum trap. He's the gentleman with the muse. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about him a lot uh, in, in a bit too. Uh, but you know, they're like the FBI is like. The fuck? There's, like, so much more going on here. Yeah. Like, no wonder you guys are getting fucking blown away. There's so much, like, shit going on that you had no idea about. Mm -hmm. And five is even more of that. It's just Strom being like, holy shit, like, there's even more stuff. Yeah. Uh, I just also love that they just keep making, like, wild accusations and then immediately changing their minds. They're like, Riggs the accomplice. And then it's like... No, you're the accomplice, Jill. I'm like, Strom, pick a direction. Pick buddy. a lane, buddy. And Drew did have a good point where they're like, he's he's got to be suspicious. Mm-hmm. And he's got to keep everyone, like... Everyone is If a anyone... Yeah, truly, because they are. Yeah. <laughs> anyone could be the other Jigsaw accomplice. I know it's someone... I know it's not me, but that's all I know. Truly, it was like, Strom was like, I know it's not me. I know it's not Perez. It could be anybody. Yeah. It could, or it could be everybody. Um, but, um, brief aside, Billy... The puppet, obviously, is in every movie. Way scarier in this movie. Yeah. Because, uh, obviously, keep upgrading him. Uh, now he's uh, held together by, like, metal rods. They use magnets so that it could be positioned. It could move its eyes independently. Um, resin-filled ping-pong balls were removed. Where they were uh, the eyes. They could be moved with a remote control. And so could the mm. mouth. So, like, even in the video, like... Dos, like you know, sort of introductions. The puppet looks like it's alive yeah. when it's talking, and they really are like getting into it. Um, as we said before, Eric Matthews is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the note I had is that uh, Dunstan and Melton begged the crew to not kill Eric Matthews once they came on. Because there originally was a scene in Saw 3 that depicted that he was killed, but uh, they didn't end up using it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're like, please, can you bring him back? And uh, even though this may have gone against the Saw Bible, which is an actual rule book that the writers of Saw have that says what they can and cannot do in the franchise... I looked everywhere for it. I cannot find it. I can't find even any rule. Oh, Probably because be it's cool. still secret because they don't they're want... they're still making them. Uh, again, I don't mean this facetiously. I guarantee the writers of Jigsaw and Spiral didn't have that rule book mm-hmm. because they broke a bunch of rules. Um, but they did it because it's not a core song. I understand. Yeah. So, but, I God, I want to be in a room... With, like, Darren Lynn Bowsman and James Wan on the other end of a table, and they just slide me this... The th- Jigsaw Bible? No, they slide me the Book of Saw, Danny. The Book of How Saw. How did they miss this? It's been, in a, it's been in front of us the whole fucking time. The Book of Saw is the Saw rule book. We're breaking ground here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so... Uh, at the insistence of the producers, they had the death scene removed from the film so they could bring him back in the fourth one. Uh, so the trap that Matthews and Hoffman are in essentially is another sort of ramshackle one. Mm-hmm. Matthews is hanging from the ceiling, uh, standing very uh, precariously on a melting block of ice. Yes. Uh, and uh, as the ice melts... Under, I mean, that, that hour, no, no, the 90 minutes 90 was minutes. until the ice melted. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the ice is on a this, like, metal seesaw platform with Hoffman on the other end of it in a chair. Tied with, down. Yeah, tied down to and it. With, yes. And uh, as more water fills up the, you know, seesaw, or if... Matthews steps off of the block of ice. The scale tips. The scale tips, and all the water rushes towards the chair where a bunch of live wires are hooked up. Mm-hmm. So with Matthews' death, Hoffman would also die. Yes. Um, he. All of it is overseen by a a mask a, a, a hooded figure. You know, I ri- originally put down a hooded figure, but. It's pretty early that they reveal who he is, so I guess it's, it's okay. It's it's art. It's art. Yeah. It's art. Blank. The lawyer from the beginning. It's John's lawyer. The lawyer for all these guys. He's been once he won the trap at the beginning. It was kind of like a Zep situation where it was like, now you have another task. You need to be the game master of this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's kind of cool because every time he'll like talk to Matthews and Hoffman, it's like, yo, we're all in the same boat. This guy completes his te- rig. If he completes his tests, we can all go home. We'll be fine. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I, I, we've got more through a bunch of these notes already. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, before we get into spoiler territory, I want to talk about Hoffman and Riggs' relationship a little bit more, especially figuring that um, when Rig assaulted that man, the, you know, Art showed up as that mm-hmm. guy's lawyer, and Hoffman lied. To defend to defend Rig. Rig, he's like, I saw the whole thing. He attacked Rig first, and the lawyer's like, "You guys are fucking good, man. Thick as thieves." And I'm like, "Why was that not more of a thing in this movie? Was like their bond, mm-hmm. like 
clearly his mo- he's extra motivated for this game because the only person he has left is Hoffman. Because not only is he the last survivor, he's also the only one that like actually kind of gives him a break. Yeah. And they're like, he's also going to die. And also Matthews, who you thought you failed, is also alive. And you might fail both of them at the same time. You better do what you think you need to do, mm-hmm. despite everything I'm telling you to do. Like He literally, even at the end, has a card that just says, go home on it. Yeah. But unfortunately, it has the address of the... Gideon meatpacking well, plants. Well, no, it just has the, or the G, G from yes, it. Right, right, right. It, that's all it took for him to recognize <laughs> yes. it. So, the whole time, so Rig is going through the game, Strom is, like, always 20 minutes behind him, so Strom is following along with him as well. Mm-hmm. And this is where we're going to get into spoiler territory. Just like with Saw 2, I highly recommend, if you're ever going to watch these movies, don't listen to this part. Yeah. Please. This is these are legitimately great twists. There's a lot of them and it sets up so much stuff. Again, this sets up their trilogy. Like mm-hmm. th- th- what happens here will set up the rest of this. Um but if you want to keep listening, we're going to start spoiling it now. So Rick goes to the meatpacking plant, finds that he's low on time. Uh all of these signs are like, dude, you haven't learned anything. Why are you here? Mm-hmm. Uh, right around the same time he gets there, Matthews and Art figure out that if the door to their room opens, large blocks of ice will crush Matthews and kill Hoffman, mm-hmm. and the weird thing on Art's neck will probably also be activated. So his actions will kill all of them. All of them. Um, they also gave Matthews a gun. To shoot Rig if he gets in. Yeah. So, presumably, it, all four men would die. And, unfortunately, because Rig is not a good learner, uh, he gets in there. With two seconds two left. Two seconds left. And the whole gist of his trap was literally just stop. Mm-hmm. Don't do anything. Stop progressing. And these men will live. Yeah. Unfortunately, as he busts through the door... I mean, Art and mainly Matthew's like, Rig, don't come in here. Like, please don't. Mm -hmm. Matthew shoots Rig, who eventually will die from his wound. Rig shoots Art, who gives him the tape explaining that he failed. Um, Presumably, Matthew Matthew's head gets obliterated by these blocks of ice, and the live wires activate for Hoffman to die. So all four men, because of his actions, it would be signaling all of their deaths. Uh, except that only three of them die. Mm-hmm. Because Detective Mark Hoffman is a Jigsaw protege. I've been wanting to say that for months now. <laughs> Mark Hoffman is the Jigsaw protege. Mark mm-hmm. Hoffman is the Jigsaw protege. It has been since the beginning. He's been involved in almost every single trap since the razor wire one mm-hmm. from the first movie. He's been there He's with been Amanda there. the entire time following along every single he's been attacked and we'll find out in the next movie uh, he wasn't like obviously written in until saw two uh two right three no three. three uh but along with detective singh and tap he was the f- like he's been on every single jigsaw murder mm-hmm. since their deaths uh it edits out <laughs> the editing fake out makes you think that he was kidnapped by a pig head 
when in reality it was just hanging up in his closet. In his closet. Um. Oh my god. Mark Hoffman getting up from the chair and walking over to his body. Because well, we don't even see him no, get up. No, we you just, just see, see him, him next, to, next to him, like, not dead. And him just staring, like, somewhat, like, gleefully, but also, like, with uh, some amount of regret mm-hmm. that Rig failed. Because truly, I think Hoffman chose Rig to be, like, he was like, hey, John, this police officer needs to be tested, but also... I think we could turn him. Yeah. I think not only because he's thinks like us, but I also am looking out for him mm-hmm. because we're already good buddies. I think we would be great because how great would it do like a, a power duo of two police officers who are already friends, get the mission and would put each other in check B to continue John's legacy. Mm-hmm. They would be the best. It Rig fucked it up. Damn it. <laughs> so unfortunately Rig is dead. Um, but what happened to Strom? Strom obviously followed them into the meatpacking plant. So while investigating where Rig may be going next, he finds himself at the Gideon meatpacking plant, where he finds out that, surprise, Saw 3 is happening at the same time. Well, yeah, and the first little hint of that was um, when Rig was walking his way through the building, you saw the crane and broken crate on the ground. There's a lot of stuff. Out of. Like there's that like velvet box that the bullet is in. He found mm-hmm. the picture of his family. And earlier in the movie, uh, one of the other cops came in to tell Hoffman that another doctor had gone missing from the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's like Lynn. Lynn is that Lynn other doctor. Denlin. I also, uh, real quick to jump ahead, there's an end credit scene of this movie that takes place during Saw 3. Essentially, remember at the end of 3, they said that uh, Corbett, who's Lynn and Jeff's other d- daughter, or other child was also missing. Mm-hmm. She's also being held somewhere in the meatpacking plant. So all of Saw Three is happening in the meatpacking plant. Also in some other room, uh, Hoffman and uh, Matthews are. So like it's just all of it's a huge meatpacking plant. So he has all these things, and the kid is also somewhere. So there's an end credit scene where it's Amanda going over and um, talking through the keyhole to her, and she says. Don't trust the man that will save you, presumably Hoffman. Um, during that, we mm-hmm. see that she is holding a stuffed like bear or some like stuffed animal. Earlier in the movie, when Hoffman is going home, like when he presumably gets kidnapped, he has a stuffed animal that per- Agent Perez is like, "Oh, for a kid." And he's like, "Yeah, daughter, it's a, t- it's a, you know, it's a weird situation. You don't want to know." He's getting that because he just kidnaps her. He's going to go kidnap her and, you know, like, give her something mm-hmm. for that. So, like, he, Hoffman's really good at being a joke job protege, if you can't already tell. Yeah. Amanda cracks up. Hoffman is, like, airtight, knows what the fuck he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's a cop. He's got a fuck. He's, he's organized. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Saw 3's happening at the same time. So, when Jeff shoots Amanda... And kills John and his wife dies. Um, the door is shut. And he was told that the doors are locked from the outside. So he's stuck there. Mm-hmm. Luckily for him, though, or unluckily, Strom is there right as the doors close. And has the key. And has the key that he took from uh, the woman from the iron trap, the mm-hmm. iron bar trap. He uses the key to unlock the door. Jeff's like, what the fuck? And then Strom, in self-defense, kills Jeff. Yes. So, everyone from Saw 3 is dead now, mm-hmm. <laughs> except Hoffman. Um, 
So then as he goes in, it's like, fuck, like, you know, Jigsaw's dead here. All this stuff is happening. As he goes in, Hoffman shows up and shuts the door behind him. And locks it. So then he seals Strom in this room, mm-hmm. uh, presumably to also die. So the movie kind of ends with the flash forward of the autopsy. Where the tape now takes on a whole Where the new tape meaning. now means something else. So the beginning of the movie is actually, like, the end. Mm-hmm. Because 3 and 4 are happening at the same time. The only thing that is after the events of 3 is that first five minutes. Yeah. Um, which we will talk about a little bit more when we talk about 5. Because 5 bridges that gap and then jumps forward to, like, okay, now we've kind of solved the murder. of Like, Jigsaw's dead. We can move on with our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So where we're at now is Hoffman is kind of being told, you know, if he believes he'll walk away untested, he's sorely mistaken. Even if Hoffman doesn't notice it's about him, it's like, hey, Hoffman, I know you're like the last survivor, but don't think you're going to get away from this uh, unscathed. Unscathed, Because, you know, Jigsaw's got a bunch of contingency plans for always, so obviously he's got a couple tricks up his sleeve still even from beyond the grave. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to talk about those the next couple of weeks with Saw 5 and 6. Yeah. And 7 when we can finish it up with the big thing that I can't wait to talk about. Woo-hoo. Uh, so follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can send us comments and requests at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. We also have been lacking in our bonus episode content, but we're about to spend about an hour recording a bunch of them. Oh, and yeah. then we're just going to release them over the next couple of weeks or days mm-hmm. even. Um, so, uh, yeah. You have a line, and then I have a line. (laughs) Stay spooky out there. Game over.